Hello and welcome to another episode of Meanwhile in an Abandoned Warehouse. Today, Sophie Hope and I are talking to Cathy Hunt. And Cathy Hunt is a co-director of Positive Solutions, a long-established organisation in Australia. Cathy, can you just start us off by explaining a little about what you do and what uh, Positive Solutions does? Sure. Um, Positive Solutions is a cultural sector consultancy that's been going for a long time now, Owen, as you said, nearly 30 years, um, both originally in the UK and since then in Australia, working um, Australia, New Zealand, Hong Kong, Singapore, um, across that region in all all aspects, really, of um, cultural thinking, research, management, uh, policy development, uh, feasibility, uh, etc., etc. You name it. Um, but I'm also, and so that's a, a, I mean, a large part of my work is there. But I'm also, for the last uh, few years, have been the executive director of a non-profit which has brought the Wow Women of the World Festival to Australia and uh, to the region. So part of my time is also spent as a a festival executive festival producer developing uh, the Wow Women of the World Festival. So I'm both both a consultant and uh, and a producer. Okay, just before we start the main body of the conversation, can you tell us a little about the festival? Because I confess I know little about it. Oh, Wow! Wow is a festival created by Jude Kelly at the Southbank Centre uh, ten years ago next year. Um, which celebrates um, everything to do with women and uh, presses really pushes the whole gender equality uh, issue, but from a, a very much a cultural celebration perspective. So uses uh, cultural activity and really frames it from the perspective of uh, a creative practitioner to discuss the hard issues um, that we need to discuss in the gender equality debate, but in the framing of a cultural event. Okay, thank you. Um, Well, the conversation today, Sophie and I have been running uh, a series of discussions around the issue of cultural democracy, which is something we're both interested in. And for today, at least, we're going to define cultural democracy as the ability to own the means of cultural production and thus to create your own culture and have that culture taken seriously by other groups within society. So we've been asking numbers of people, we've spoken to Arlene Goldbard uh, in, in California about how cultural democracy plays out in discussions, cultural discussions in the United States. And I suppose that's what we're interested in now. Is the term cultural democracy used, or is there a synonym for it, or are those arguments simply not applicable to what's going on in Australia, in your view? Okay, well, um, let's do, 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 do the last part of that sentence first. Are they applicable? Yes, of course, they're applicable. <laughs> they're extremely, <laughs> extremely important uh, arguments that anybody should be having about the their culture and the place of culture in, in, in their community or in their society or in their nation, whatever. Um, ha- however, I think the term is not a term that is used um, 
readily used it's not a term that is on on people's lips it's it's not used certainly as much as it appears to be used elsewhere uh, and in in the UK and Europe I would say that the the conversation around those issues in terms of ownership of ownership of culture ownership of production um, and uh, pushing the agenda to have one's culture taken seriously as you say has been within the realm of what is called in Australia the community cultural development sector um, and that is probably the term that is is has been historically used in an arts arts funding sense um, to talk about what I think you t you mean when you you talk about cultural democracy the other term that is beginning to be used more partly because one of probably the leading leading practitioners in this work in in Australia Scott Rankin has recently written a platform paper on it is the whole issue of cultural rights and the understanding of cultural rights from a um, a human rights perspective uh, and how that uh, should play out in the way in which um, how culture and how society is represented through culture and creativity within within Australia so so that's the context in which I would say it is um, thought about um, where it sits at the moment Gosh, that's a very, very difficult one, uh, particularly because, as you're probably aware, we had a federal election last week, and that federal election went the way of many elections uh, around the world, much to the surprise, I have to say, of, of many, many people. I think that the reason I mention that is that uh, the... the nature of government we've had certainly at a federal level for the last well how, for, how long is it since 2013 has been such that that these ideas have, have, have almost been closed down slightly within within the system within the funding system and and and, and more broadly it's not doesn't mean to say that people have stopped working and and doing things but even the very conversations around it um have have changed because of i think because the fu the fun funding getting harder and harder um for everybody but particularly if you're not within the mainstream and if you're not within one of the major organizations so the small to medium sector and those key producers in the community cultural development sector are some of the one that ones that have been hardest hit in relation to uh, funding at a federal level, federal state and local government level, um, and the whole notion of who we are as a country, as a society, um, the way we think about ourselves, um, and therefore the modes of expression that are accepted and are talked about and are seen and are funded has changed or should I say has almost been put on hold slightly the conversation um, in at least at least the conversation that, that, that was happening and what we've seen more and more of is an expectation that 
the major, the larger organisations are the ones now being asked to operate in a in a more sense of engagement at this level than than would be usually the case. But they're not necessarily the right people to be doing it. <laughs> they're not the right players in the mix because that still still turns into some sort of community engagement audience development exercise in relation to the cultural products that they are there to espouse and 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 that they are obviously interested in which i don't say is, is you know that that's not a problem let them let them get on with what it is that they're that they're doing at their end but in relation to the development of of new cultural voices new ways of thinking about culture new forms of expression broadening that issue out then then yes i think that i think that that there are uh, are issues where it obviously the 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 two things however that 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 corollary that counteract that is obviously the rise of first nations voices within australia and in particularly within within a cultural context um i think that has that has grown and is growing um and uh, that is to be absolutely honest one of the one of the great shames about about what happened at the weekend because the the labor party had a had a terrific platform for uh for a whole range range of first nation recognition and for new first nation voices in the in the cultural space but that that won't stop um a sort of first nations first agenda that is going on within the cultural sector to ensure that there are more first nation voices um within the the, the whole stream of the, of the of the way in which every, everything everything is heard and listened to and and worked so that that is that is something that is moving moving with a pace and i don't believe that that will that will stop so so that's just just the and the, and the other thing is which I think is quite interesting in this this debate, and I'm not sure where you've taken it. Is is on the other end of the scale the rise of thinking around cultural tourism. So cultural tourism, the massive um, and growing in relation to to and, and the ownership of a lot of that is often within the hands of um, small scale cultural operators. In, culture, in its broadest sense, um, setting up their own initiatives, doing their own thing within their own community, but doing it from a from a from a tourism perspective, and and that is something that 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 I think will continue to grow, to grow uh, and and develop, um, but um, you know slightly to one to one side of course. <laughs> Can you give us an example of that, Cathy? Which, which an example of which within all oh, of that? Oh, sorry. On the on the latter part thing, you were talking about the um, about cultural tourism and how it's being um, done from a grassroots perspective or a um, smaller network, um, yeah, localized perspective. Well, I'm just I'm I'm thinking of of of, of, of yeah, localized. Yeah, cult, cultural representation in relation to I mean, obviously uh, First Nations cultural tourism. That is something that is uh, the lifeblood of a lot of smaller First Nation uh, communities. Um, those, in, those in particular that are, are fairly regional or remote, uh, in terms of well, well, p- 
part of it is linked to the de- the whole development of the art center movement within within those communities but that that is not a tourism that has they haven't been established as tourism per se they are absolutely true com- true um community cultural development uh, institutions from from my perspective even though they are often trading in very high end goods um obviously because of the because of the indigenous art movement but 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 smaller um uh tourism ventures that are uh looking to interpret uh history and take people on specific tours of land particularly to sacred sites or to well not sacred sites sites that actually can be looked at by other people but to sites that are very diff- difficult to to reach um uh, and food uh different forms of food uh obviously food tourism cultural tourism in that sense is growing and that is developing very much by small operators so 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 you've got it in relation to the just the way in which people can experience australia and different parts of australia is growing very much through a whole series of of small scale businesses and tourism operators whether they're doing it about the the cult, culture in the context of the natural environment culture in the context context of food culture in the context of history or culture in the context of of creativity um then that is something that is growing from a from a small scale small trader uh, perspective thank you are they pursuing this um in a bottom up way which is to say are people deciding for themselves what their own cultural offerings will be or is there an umbrella organization encouraging people no 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 well the the encouragement of cultural tourism is is just a lot, huge eco- economic sector in its own right but it's not some top down mechanism telling them what to do it's um there might be people around certainly within the tourism sector in in um helping people to do it but there's nobody telling people what to do because that is very much about what it is that you're you're growing on your land or what the history of your community might be or what the what you've got there to actually sell but the understanding of it is coming more from a obviously from an economic perspective rather than from a just purely cultural value public value perspective which is a different thing that's why i asked you whether or not within the context of your notion of cultural democracy where do you place um those sorts of entities businesses people creators who are doing that sort of sort of work uh very close to the center i think and um, one of the things that sophie and i have been exploring is the misunderstanding that cultural democracy is some sort of arts funding issue and uh we we've been looking at and will continue to look at other areas uh ranging from uh bands and independent record labels through to uh any any kind of activities even sports activities any kind of cultural activity where it is self-directed and where people f- fight for or claim a a cultural space One in, one interesting thing from what you were saying earlier when you were talking about um Scott somebody Scott Rankin uh and his platform paper Scott about Rankin. culture from a rights perspective we were talking to Francois Matarosso uh a few episodes ago and uh 
he's produced a book, and he was talking about cultural democracy in the book and in the, in the discussion, very much from a from a human rights perspective. And he also sees this both as uh, a good thing in its own terms, but also, as far as I understood, a strategically good approach. Yes, yes, and I'm very I'm quite involved in that in that discussion. Um, uh, in Australia, partly but in two ways. One is, I, I work very very closely with a with a small a small cultural organisation called Feral Arts, who have taken on have developed this movement, the the Arts Front movement, which came about as a result of um, some absolutely appalling arts funding decisions uh, a few years ago, um, and set out to mobilise the sector around this uh, and around the fact that we, we seem to be going backwards rather than forwards in terms of thinking as a nation what we were investing in from a cultural perspective and they are campaigning around um, uh, a human rights agenda um, but by placing absolutely placing taking it in a slightly different way placing the arts at the center of that conversation and this is this is what what I'm interested in is is actually the role of the arts uh, and the role of, of, of the role of cultural ac- cultural activity and engagement including the arts in cultural change because I, I truly believe that you need cultural change before you get to social change and that we have the capacity we are the storytellers and we should be the ones who are actually making that that change happen. So, so that's where my work then, sorry, flipping, flipping over again, my work and my interest and why I'm doing the Wow Festival is that is that it, what what Judah's done in creating that is actually create a, a means to. Uh, well, it's it's now developed into a big global movement, and she's left the South Bank Centre and set up the Wow Foundation in London, and it's it's a different way of creating cultural change around the issue of gender equality, and it is using um, cultural engagement, activity, dis- discussion, discourse, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, uh, to be able to 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 create that change. So, um, so I, I mean, and I believe, truly believe that if, 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 if as is happening in some spheres, in, including some aspects of the economy, that we, we, we really begin to shift around the sustainability development goals, uh, the 2030 sustainability development goals, um, as well as human, the, 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 the human rights um, agenda, then culture permeates every single one. It's not. It's not something. And, and people get worried sometimes that there isn't a specific sustainable development goal for culture. That in many senses there shouldn't be because culture is should be something that actually is embedded within every concept that we are talking about, just as uh, gender equality is. Um, so I think if we do begin to re- try and I mean you know it's the only framework the nat international frameworks that we have to work with and I think in, particularly at this you know unbelievably uncertain times around national democracy national governments and, and the way things are moving I think they are very useful things to you know to begin to have conversations within and around if you get mm-hmm. me you know what I mean 
Can you say a little more about the art front? Because yeah. that sounds a very interesting initiative from my perspective. It, it is a very interesting initiative, but, but where I was going on to lead to, to, lead to is that, one, what, that they, they decided that they would d d begin to work with organisations around um, um, each of the human rights agendas, which is why I've been working with them also, um, around, obviously around gender equality. But one of the biggest human rights uh, that, that is the... the significant one in Australia is obviously the rights of indigenous peoples so what they've what they have done from the beginning is this campaign which I think I mentioned actually right at the beginning first first peoples first so that there is absolutely within what we think of and how we frame and how we understand culture within Australia starts from a first nation perspective every time and that is not just paying respect to First Nations people, it is trying to absolutely push First Nations culture um, and ways of knowing, being, thinking and everything right to, right to the centre of the stage, up, up, up front and say that, well, that is actually the starting point of anybody who is Australian has got to be um, an understanding of First Nations uh, culture uh, and practice, and so that is, so that can be ex expressed as much closer understanding for everybody in terms of the land on which you are living, and acknowledging the land and the people who who own that land, um, right the way through to uh, making sure that uh, the cultural outputs from First Nation people in terms of uh, visual arts, performance, dance, um, whatever, um, are pushed right up the agenda in terms of the arts funding agencies, because I think that is, is important as, as well, because that is what should be being funded first and foremost in terms of Australian culture. So, so, so it's a mixture of a mi mixture of, of all things, but certainly, I mean, have a look at have a look at the arts front web website and some some of the campaigning that it that it is doing. How, how is that argument progressing? Because I can remember when I was in Australia in, in the middle of the 1980s, that argument was being pushed by numbers of people. I mean, obviously, in terms of, say, music, obviously both Red Gum and Midnight Oil had an agenda which was, uh, a, which was concerned in part with the position of... Uh, Aboriginal culture and Aboriginal peoples, and concerned in part with with place, trying to place that at the centre stage. So, has that arg argument been received, and is it, would you say, much further on, or is it still a a large cultural controversy and struggle? Oh, I, I mean, I think it'll always be. It, it's it's a struggle, just like everything is a struggle from what, what they, I mean, absolutely rightly perceive as being a colonised nation, um, or colonised nations. There are many of them. Um, where it has grown and where it has um, moved on to is that it is um, First Nations artists, bands, musicians 
directors, performers themselves that now have the voice in this rather than non-Indigenous people always speaking on behalf of or for. And that's what First Nations First is very much about, is that um, is whose culture is in and whose culture is who's speaking on behalf of, of that culture. So, yes, there are many more First Nations people within positions of leadership within within the cultural sector. And, you know, I get to a point in this conversation, for example, where I um, feel I do, don't feel comfortable in talking much about about this because it is it's not my mind to talk about. Um, and so I would I would acknowledge um, the many First Nations uh, artists and cultural leaders who I have the privilege to to work with for allowing me to at least talk a little bit about this to you today because I don't any longer feel feel that that is appropriate and um, I think it will be very good at some point in this um, in your conversation series to have some conversations with with First Nation leaders not just in Australia but in Canada and and other places I think that would that would be good um, to do that so and I think but I and I think certainly so so the way of the way of working say we, we did a I did a big wow festival last year um, as part of um, the Commonwealth Games cultural celebrations believe it or not um, and uh, so I had one or two uh, First Nation consultants and leaders with me the whole time on every single decision that we took we looked at it from <coughs> a First Nation perspective um, and their First Nation women were involved in practically every conversation um, and you know if you look at the program uh, the, from, from a cultural perspective as musicians, as artists, as, as, as everybody else so I won't say that that is a um, everybody is doing that but more we are moving more of us into a into a way of doing things that ensures that that happens in that way and i think that is that will be a growing movement can i ask a question about um one of the things that um <clears throat> excuse me um owen brought up in the um book that he did in the 80s community art and the state storming the citadels was which was kind of one of the previous conversations around cultural democracy was the um the, pro the problem around the professionalization of an industry of community artists um who were kind of wrapped up in providing a an, uh, an income to keep the industry going and one of the issues with that is that um it kind of perpetuates this professionalisation and takes, perhaps takes away from the um, uh, the, the grassroots kind of nature of cultural democracy and a kind of more expanded uh, version and, and idea of culture, which is what we've, we've been talking about. Um, and I think there were really interesting parallels with um, community arts movements in the UK and the development of community cultural development in in Australia and there were lots of crossovers and, and interesting conversations going on and politically kind of interesting parallels perhaps at the time but I'm wondering like what the issues are or uh, sort of 
when we think about culture democracy in this expanded way, um, you know, post-nation post way or um, uh, um, certainly kind of taking it away from an arts funding and, and sort of project, cultural democracy project sort of way of thinking, um, how do we avoid those pitfalls of becoming professionals that deliver cultural democracy <laughs> uh, whether that's from a first nation perspective um uh or uh, or not like yeah how what can you say a bit about how how you grapple with that in your organization or i suppose what you mean by by what 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 in in what context now is is a professional in that sense because because i think what's mm. what's interesting and it's it's kind of back to the cultural tourism issue isn't it is that is that culture is being seen as a, an interesting potential commodity um, or something that people have interest in and therefore there is a capacity to actually earn money from it. Um, I, I, won't, I don't want to use the word exploit because it's, you know, it's, it's, it's has so, much, so many connotations but, 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 but that, that, that you actually tend to do that. Um, um, in that way so I, I think and but 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 where the ownership is if the ownership is back at a community level or an individual level um on the ground rather than it has been institutionalized in some way and is run by a group of professionals um where does that sit in in the spectrum of cultural democracy in the context of people just doing their own thing and doing it for the sheer pleasure, enjoyment, uh, community spirit of getting together and doing things um, and expressing themselves in that way, then the interesting thing to me, obviously, again, from a First Nation perspective, is that that's still there, there are still elements of that, obviously, um, that still happen um, very much so within, within First Nation communities. Within the communities... Um, within the um, non-Indigenous communities, uh, how much of that happens in the context of uh, just people doing things rather than doing it from a professional perspective? Well, has it changed or has it moved? I, I don't know. I think it changes from different places and different ways of doing it, but often the way people are brought together and particularly the way people are brought together within the within the current way in which communication happens and the Facebook generation and everything else, um, I think there is a lot of coming together to do different things, but it just operates in a completely different way. Um, look at look at pub choir. Has pub choir been a huge thing here in, no, in the well UK? <laughs> oh, oh, sorry, I don't know what that is, but. Um... It may well be, just not on my radar, the pub choir. Can't remember whether it's come from Australia or it's come from the UK. The pub pub choir, some people people getting together and doing doing a whole series of different um, choirs in 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 the pub over a single night, learning a particular song, developing a particular. It's it's a big thing. It's a big thing in Queensland, and it is huge. It is absolutely huge. It sounds great. They're fantastic. It's fantastic, um, it and, and right. it's but, but it's been picked up. 
and it is now a pub choir you know doing a massive pub choir is it's something that is is also taking place in some of the big festivals um so in some senses it has been is that it's a form of legitimizing it within a particular cultural context when that then happens when something that has been a grassroots thing is then moved or did the person who create that intend that that's where the per- where where she wanted to take it all in the first place i'm not sure um but i do know that the pub pub choir movement in that sense is is has been terrific and is growing in that way and there are lots of things like that that happen um and certainly yes and 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 i think will continue to happen um i yes i'm not sure where the that that change that professionalization sits in an in an in an environment where everybody is now a sole trader everybody is working for that is the way people mm. tend to be getting employment in some shape or form so even if you if you are even involved in or interested in or participate in some form of cultural activity then yes people will then begin to turn that into something that might give them some form of income i'm not sure i necessarily see that as a as a bad thing or see that really as anything other than inevitable yeah. i think if people band together to turn things into professional activities that's that's always happened that's when that when two people with a banjo and a, and a guitar suddenly realize hey we could make a living out of this i think the dif- the difference occurs when it becomes top down institutionalized when pub choirs for example become organized by yeah. castlemain and fosters and they cease to become they become organized by the pubs rather than by the people who were interested in organizing them yes and that but that happens across the board in so many different different i mean not just in not just in terms of cultural cultural activities like that if somebody sees something and they grab it um because they think they can make make a bob or two then yes they <laughs> yes they will do it and then they will destroy it because it will not be the product it was that it was intentionally set out to be so uh but i i don't yeah well bringing that back to bringing what you just said there back to the idea of culture one of the dangers it's always struck me in cultural tourism not just in terms of 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 first nation cultural tourism but any kind of cultural tourism is people end up not necessarily exploited but people end up performing their own lives for the benefit of other people so that people start manufacturing things having celebrations having uh cultural activities not because they have a meaning for them anymore but because they have become commoditized so i would think of may may celebrations in england for example maypoles maypoles in so far as people do them still they tend to do them so that other people will come and pay to stay in bed and breakfast nearby to be part of the festival it doesn't have its own momentum very often yeah no and and that is always the danger but to me when that does happen that's when those things fall over because if there is anything that is absolutely required for something to be a true cultural experience in a tourism context it's authenticity 
So if you lose that, and, and what people are seeing is not that, and it's very easy to see that it is not that, um, then I think you've lost it from the start. Um, and, and that certainly is something that that I have experienced because I've done quite a bit of work on different um, in different cities and towns um, that have been using First Nation culture as part of their tourism experience. Um, you can see where it works and where it doesn't work in terms of who has been who has controlled the narrative um, and the way in which it has been developed. Um, absolutely, you can see it. And if you lose that, and if you lose the control and authenticity, then it isn't that at all. So, so I th then it goes into a completely different sphere. And it is an argument that is had had a lot. And I was on the board of. Um, uh, what was the government in tourism and events uh, investment arm a few years ago and we were we had a significant regional program to build and maintain a lot of the very traditional regional festivals that were absolutely specific to the culture of place um, which was were usually came out of something to do with what was grown on that land or a particular historical event um, or, or, or activity um, which had a unique point of difference in, within that and helping those helping those events grow but helping them grow in a way that was still true to themselves and what they were about so as not to destroy them was absolutely crucial um, and uh, that's a very hard one to do if they, if the agency in particular, and that's where the problem lies then in the professionalization, is not in the not in the events themselves that do want to grow and do want to develop and love to, love to bring you know lots of people to their regional town for this particular thing that goes on every year, but but in the understanding from the investment arm as to how that needs to grow and the speed it needs to grow and does it need to grow at all, etc. etc. So it's um. It's 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 fairly crucial. I can, I can think of an, an example of this um, from a, which I I would describe as cultural, but but is is from an economic sphere, which is that in the last ten years in Britain there has been a, an explosion of craft breweries. Of, often t two or three four people start a craft brewery, and in Britain certainly the big brewer brewers have started manufacturing faux craft beer. And I, there was an app, there was a quote I've I've got, and I can't remember who, exactly who said it now. I don't have it to hand, but one of the uh, public relations people for one of the big brewers when they were challenged about the definition of craft brewer, beer, craft beer, they said there isn't a definition. But what consumers want is the feeling of authenticity. And not... It, it, but this was crucial. They didn't... Consumers don't want, from this person's perspective, they don't want authenticity. They want the feeling of authenticity. And he was saying that the large brewery can manufacture... Beer that makes the consumer feel it's authentic, cheaper and better than these small breweries. Very clever. <laughs> That's all I can say. <laughs> mm. 
Um, but no, but no, I <laughs> yeah. Well, I'd like, to, I'd like, to, I'd like to see it, but um, yeah. But that's cultural tourism. It is. That's the, that's that's what yes. it came into my mind. Yes, and that's the perils of Always cultural of the tourism. That it's not that somebody necessarily st- stops doing something for the right reason and starts doing it for the wrong reason. It's that somebody else comes along and says, "Oh, we could do that sort of thing better and cheaper." Well, no, absolutely, absolutely, and you know, in the same way that uh, you know that. People have been able to rot the whole um, indigenous art movement in relation to getting German backpackers to paint cop paintings. You know, it's it's it it happens and and it happens a, happens a lot. And I, sorry, I think from from a perspective of cultural rights and 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 understanding that it that is the whole issue as to who has who has that and who has the right to exploit. The IP from that um, is a huge issue, a massive issue, and and it's it's yeah it's sad that we're now talking about it and we've framed now a large part of this conversation around around the economics um, of all of that. But but sadly that is what is because of everything else that's happening. Culture has become, as you say, a commodity. Um, much more so than it was uh, in the past, and within that cultural economy framing, um, then th- this this all sits within it, and uh, and I, I'm not not sure where that sits within your where you want to take the whole debate and discussion about cultural democracy. Well, I think I th- personally think it's it's central to it. It's one of the one of the key issues. Um. Thank you so much, Cathy. I think I'm going to have to um, finish there, but I really want to continue the conversation. I wonder as well also if, if we could make contact um, with some of the First Nation leaders um, and the campaigners through, through you and continue that conversation with them as well. Well, in that case, let's, um, let's say goodbye for the moment. And we'll see if we can set up another conversation. And certainly I agree with Sophie. It'd be very good to get your contacts. OK, thanks very much, Cathy. OK. Well, I hope, I hope, I hope that was helpful. That was great.